Welcome to Back to the Sources, a podcast for those looking for a window into the life of Concordia Seminary and our library, whether you are a theologian, pastor, or prospective student. Each episode explores deep theological questions, profound insights, and topics of interest, brought to you by both professors and students alike. We hope that these conversations enrich your faith, academic, and professional development by connecting you to our rich resources. Back to the Sources is brought to you by the Hasse Library on the campus of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. The Hasse Library, inspiring theological discovery. Welcome to Back to the Sources. This is Kendall Davis. I am an STM exegetical student. This is a podcast of the Hasse Memorial Library. And today we're going to be talking about all the resources that are available at the library. There's a lot to offer, and I think there's a lot that students just aren't aware of. And today we have a very special guest who's going to kind of walk us through what some of those resources are that you might not know about. So I'd like to introduce our guest, Natalie. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Natalie Whitaker, and I am the public services librarian at Hasse Memorial Library. I started in that position about Mm -hmm. four months ago after being with the library as circulation coordinator since January. And I've been really enjoying my time here working on these resources, these amazing resources that we have here at the library. Yeah. Awesome. So how would you how would you describe your role here at the library? I think people kind of know you as the person who hides the dinosaur, Terry. Yeah. But wh- how would you describe kind of what, what you do here and what your role is at the library? Yeah. So it's funny you ask this. Recently, I made a list just for my own sanity of all the different roles I have actually at the library. There are many. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, honestly. But so I'm just going to kind of go down the list because I think that's the only way to do this. Otherwise, Otherwise, you get lost in this labyrinth. But I would say that the primary thing, when I walk through the doors, Mm -hmm. first thing that I do are the daily duties, the daily directing all the daily operations, checking in on Mobius, Mm -hmm. checking in on interlibrary loans, checking in on the CERC desk, checking email uh, Mm -hmm. and whatever. I get a lot of emails from alumni, from distant students. What are the references that they're needing? Mm -hmm. Is there Mm -hmm. anything we need to scan? All those very important tasks that are a part of keeping courses running. Day-to-day operations. Yeah. Corralling student workers. Actually, uh, all the student workers are fantastic. Take very little corralling. Ever since I started this position, I think they have all been my saving grace. <laughs> so Good to hear. Yeah, definitely, definitely the heart and soul of how daily operations mm-hmm. run in the library. So yeah, so then, uh, you know, there's a supervising and, and that kind of aspect of the job. There's also a kind of abnormal part of the job is the book lists. Course reserves is, of course, is a normal aspect to academic librarianship, making sure that you have the required textbooks for every course. But the abnormal thing is that we're also collecting the book lists like a bookstore almost would on a traditional campus. So that's been an interesting Kind of uh, unique feature of this place, yeah. Yes, which on one side I think is why my background in teaching is so helpful. Mm -hmm. So having experience as adjunct faculty at community colleges and public universities, it's like I know the struggle on the faculty side and 
now also gets to experience it on the librarian slash bookstore side. Sure, sure. So, and this semester we've been updating how we do that. It's a lot of trial and error and figuring out, a, you know, the best system for doing it. But I'm excited about the flexibility that our that new system offers. is going to allow. So, so that's fun, stressful, but fun, I guess, in the long run. Yeah. Being able to test how we do public services better. Managing the Academic Resource Center is another major part of the job. Right. You wouldn't assume public services librarian as Academic Resource Center kind of directing the tutoring and all that. Yeah. And then the next thing on my list is creating resources such as the library guides, working on managing the blog the blog posts, the podcast, mm, trying guides, to develop everything. all of the resources that we have for output. I'm currently working on a kind of a pedagogical libguide for creating multimodal assignments in oh, coursework sure. so that students can, instead of maybe writing the traditional academic essay, especially if they're not going toward an academic career. Sure. They could create a website, a blog post, a podcast, which may be something that could serve them more in their ministry. Sure, sure. Is having that kind of outlet. So kind of building the resources for that that to happen. Yes. Yeah. So I'm creating sample rubrics using the rubrics that I've used when I've taught podcasting and that sort of thing mm-hmm. in my own writing classes and just just different kind of pedagogical resources and reference resources like that. I guess there's a lot of a lot of creative time involved. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So it, it sounds like kind of all of the, kind of what we might call the front of house kind of stuff, all the stuff that patrons are going to be interacting with and utilizing, you kind of have your hands in making sure it's running smoothly and kind of working the way it's Yes, hopefully to. running smoothly. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's always the goal. Yes. So let, let's talk about kind of break down some of those resources that are available. I think when people walk in, obviously they see probably the coffee station uh, might be one of the first ones. But then also they see we have got the reference section there on the first floor of the library. And then not all the students know, but there's also more books downstairs, the main stacks downstairs. And I think that that's kind of the first thing that people see. What, What can you tell somebody who isn't familiar with our collection or maybe kind of in their academic career, they've kind of avoided stepping foot in the library, but now they kind of have to. What what should they know about kind of navigating this kind of labyrinth of just print resources that are right there in their face? I am going to be honest. It's difficult. It's been difficult for me to answer that question sometimes because I'm I embrace that very early on. Yeah. So I've had to really work on l- listening to the students that I interact with who do come from that perspective. Right. And often what I hear is just that it's overwhelming. Yeah. And so how do you... There's so much. How, yeah. Like, and, and you mentioned that not everybody realizes that we have the stacks downstairs. And that has been so eye-opening for me because mm-hmm. somebody's like, okay, so this these are all the books, right? So we can check these out when they're talking about the reference, the reference books. Yeah. And I'm like... No, actually, let me show you this whole new world. Yes. Um, and I take them downstairs. Aladdin. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but like, it's a, it's just so eye-opening for them to see like everything at, that they can, they have access to. But in line with that, all of a sudden, it's this 
load, like information overload. It's as bad yeah. as realizing what you can do with Google. Like That's all true. of a sudden you have access to every, all this stuff. Well, how do you start? How do you even begin? Yeah. And my first advice is if you have the time to just like do an initial search on whatever topic you're either working on or, or interested in, interested in yeah. search the catalog for it, find what section of the library that's in. That's true. And then just go through and look at the stacks. Just explore what's there. Yeah. And I, I think that that can be enjoyable. You can find things you never even thought to search for. Mm-hmm. And then you have more ways to search in the future. I think you're right that nothing beats just actually being there in front of the shelves and seeing seeing what catches your eye. You got to judge a couple of books by their covers. Yes. And and j- 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 and just just see what's there so you have a sense of kind of what's available. And it, it really is, I mean, in my experience, th- this is really an excellent theological library, especially for Lutheran resources. This is probably, I think, one of the best libraries in the country for Lutheran theological resources, I think. I do believe we hold the title for the largest actual Lutheran theological collection, like as far as that goes. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we, I think students students should realize that it, it is just absolutely amazing resources, which is part of the problem. <laughs> There's so much. Yes. So like the to me, the first step is just walking through the door if you can. So for residential students, like if you're here, like you, anybody can make an appointment with me, even if that makes me more comfortable, anybody can walk in. And if I'm at my desk, I mean, admittedly, sometimes I'm running around doing this or doing that. But yeah. like, if I'm physically there, I, all I want to do is show you the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. So take, right. It is literally my job. So do not be afraid to do that, but I'll take 10, 15 minutes, show you around. We could sit down. If you have a research question, we can practice like going through the process for that. That is absolutely what I love about it's really fun about this work yeah yeah no and I've had that even at the circ desk I've had kind of people will come up and they'll ask about like how do I go about citing this kind of a resource or I'm researching this but I don't know quite where to start and I'll brainstorm with stuff to go like how, how do you even get started I think that's something that students should be aware of too that the library staff are helpful for even that sort of thing. Not just like, I can't find this book in the stacks, which is something we we end up doing a lot of, (laughs) but also just even those kind of steps that are are further back than that as well. It's something that very important that we do. Yes. Brainstorming is very important and you don't need to do it alone. (laughs) No, exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about there's the stacks and the close reserve and the reference. That's overwhelming by itself, Mm -hmm. but there's also more than that. That's available. Could you could you walk through kind of some of those things that people might not be aware of unless they happen to pay real good attention during orientation? <laughs> right. Which, oh my gosh, orientation is so long. I don't expect that. But yeah. So one of the aspects to our collection that people always realize is our ebooks collection. That's true. Which we actually have a lot of ebooks, and you can go through SEMnet and you can search just the eBooks. What I advise doing with that is if you have a topic of interest, just go straight there and do a search on that topic and it will pull up everything that you have immediate access to. Like you can just download that PDF right there. Like, and it's really useful for doing, I, I personally think doing a lot of that initial research too, because you get a better idea of what's published and what's out there, what you have immediate access to. You don't have Mm. to step into the library yet. You can just start with that step. 
Right. No, and I, I'll admit that I always forget about the ebooks. I always yeah. forget to look, but it's nice. I've done it a couple of times where, you know, I want to look at this book. I want to see what somebody's saying and it's right there mm-hmm. and I can pull it up immediately. It's so, it's so convenient. Like I can be at home. Yeah, that's definitely a resource that people forget about. Yeah. And it's something that's still so new because like we've really only had this quality of like ebook access for the past like five to 10 years. Right. Like we just did not have these systems and it's only getting better. So it's, I don't expect people to remember it because it's not the way that even a lot of students who are currently undergrads necessarily grew up with. That's true. It's there now. Let's try to, let's try to really use our time well. (laughs) Now, talk about Mobius and IOL. I think that these are things that maybe terms that people have heard thrown about, but maybe they haven't used it before. It kind of scares them. What's what's all this about? So they're both technically interlibrary loan. Now, Mobius is a special consortium that began oh, 20, 30 years ago out of the University of Missouri. So Mm -hmm. a very early kind of pioneer to doing a regional sharing system. Among libraries. That quickened the process too, right? So we can share across, oh my gosh. I mean, it's, there's so many, I can't even tell you how many libraries that we share with now. It started out- It's like a few hundred, I think. Yeah, and, and then we added Prospector onto that. And so that's- That's in Colorado. That's in Colorado. And that opened up, more Texas universities because mm-hmm. so Prospector then had associations with a lot more of those Western states to mm-hmm. where, so we have access just, if we can't, fi- it's really surprising when we can't find it through Mobius. That's true. I'm always way. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. That means it's either extremely new or rare as, as you've experienced, like an yes, extremely no, new true. book that, that can make things a little bit more difficult, but yeah, or extremely rare or something like that. So, and with Mobius, the chances are you're going to get it within a week. It depends, of course, on how far out the library is and that kind of thing. Like if you're dealing with Wyoming, it it may take a couple more days than if it's a college in the middle of Missouri that we're able to get it from. Right. Or even the some of the different universities and seminaries in town. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of stuff from like Covenant mm-hmm. and Kenrick Glennon. And some of that stuff you can get in a couple days. Yes. Which yeah. Which is so nice. Yeah. And that's... I. I think that's why it's it's important to start with Mobius and just search and see what's even accessible in the area. And then you can move on. If you can't find it through there, go to the interlibrary loan. Go to OCLC, which is a great way. Like right. anybody has access to that, to WorldCat, and can find out. And there are links to all this stuff on the Sunnet yes. resources yes. page as well. And of course... If you're like, I can't remember what Natalie said about how to do this. That's right. I always forget. All you have to do is email me. Like, I mean, honestly, it's email me, say, I'm looking for this book. I will find it for you. That's true. It is my goal in life to find every book. No. And I remember there was one time with Donna, the previous person in your position, I was trying to find this, this random journal article that I found referenced somewhere and it didn't exist in any of the electronic databases Mm -hmm. and we didn't have it in print. And she she was able to contact her kind of other Atla library friends mm-hmm. and got me a scan of it. And it was so, so helpful. Yeah. But yeah, the, y'all, y'all really do magic it's, sort of stuff. It's magic slash detective work. <laughs> we all secretly probably wanted to be detectives. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Any other resources that you think kind of students should, should really be aware of are available to them? Oh, okay. So Mobius Interlibrary Loan talked about... 
the ebooks. I mean, we have a lot of databases. It's true. So when you're on SEMnet and you're looking at the library access web web page that's on there, you I would suggest just clicking on buttons and looking at the different databases because you're going to have different specializations than somebody else. And we have databases to fit a lot of people's needs. So for example, for me, one of the things that I love is that we have access to the Lobe database. Oh, that's right. And I love, I love Lobe. Yeah, Yeah. for classics in in both Greek and Latin Mm -hmm. because the way that they have created their portal and their system for that digitization of their text. It's they have a really great bookmarking system mm-hmm. with how you save things, how you highlight, how you can take annotations digitally. So they've done a really good job. And that's something that that I work with a lot in my personal work. For sure. Um, so I I tend to lean toward the language databases and that sort of thing. But that's not all we have. There's a lot of other ones too. Exactly. For- Almost anything. Yeah, like I, I can give an example. I was working on a project and there was this random Luther quote in German in this thing that I was translating. And they didn't cite it anywhere. But there's a resource that we have access to where you can search the entire corpus in German of Luther Luther's corpus. Right. And I was able to, with some help, actually find it. I was able to track it down and so that I could actually cite it. And so whatever you're working on, there's probably a special kind of database or resource that you'll find that will be helpful. Yeah. And it's all about that. What is that age old thing? Like work smarter, not harder. Mm, true. And we have the tools to do that. And if we don't have the tools to do that, we will help you find the tools to do that. That's so, true. Yeah. Let's talk about the ARC or the Academic Resource Yes. Center. This is something that it's been around for a while in certain capacity, but I think it's definitely been, been, we've been kind of working on developing it more and further, I think. Yeah, it's something that's very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have made it in my own academic career without, in my undergrad, having been told by my Latin professor, who was a nun, from Scotland, having her encourage me to go to the tutoring center for my Latin to maintain it because I, I had taken a two-year gap. And so I was rusty. I was yeah. very rusty. Yeah. And she was like, there's no shame in this. There's no stigma. She's like, just go and work with this tutor. And so what ended up happening was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had standing tutoring times with him and we would work through whatever I needed to work through with Latin. And eventually mm-hmm. I had gotten that under my belt again and I started taking Greek. <laughs> sure. And so I started taking Greek and I was able to work with him with that. Mm-hmm. And we were working through these languages. And then I was like, well, I, I, I feel good enough about language learning. I'm going to take some German. There you go. And it just, just having that resource there, that there was somebody making it more of a like group project almost, Mm -hmm. like working through the languages together instead of in isolation and alone. I think that's the only reason why I made it through Latin, why it ended up becoming my minor, uh, why I took on Greek and German and other languages at that point, which ended up being incredibly important to everything that I have done in grad school and my career. Sure. So I view the Academic Resource Center here as that. We are not here just to... Such remedial... It should not be remedial. It should be about like, let's build a community mm-hmm. around our academics uh, where it's enjoyable, where we can maintain our languages, where mm-hmm. we can work on our writing skills, any kind of 
course needs. You're you're just even trying to work through concepts. Like, yeah. what is the harm of brainstorming, as we were talking about earlier, different concepts for papers or class discussions as a group or with a tutor or with like, we call them tutors, but I personally think of them more as like consultants, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, that's that's kind of my vision for the ARC is to be something for students to just come to and feel like it's a safe place to work through ideas, to work on their languages, to work on their writing, anything that they need, really. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and to to kind of be more kind of particular about it, too, we've done a lot with the support for languages like Greek, Hebrew, mm-hmm. German. I, I do a lot with the German yes. tutoring and then also with the, the writing as well. A lot of writing support is something that we've done. Yes. And then I, I think it's also then good to point out that kind of we're also open to kind of if there's something that you're particularly struggling with, we're we're open to we're always kind of trying out new things. It just depends on kind of where the student needs are. Yeah. And I think and some of that is coming from just learning the student community a little bit more and how right. the courses work and everything. It's a very, um, it's a very special place here. It, it is. It's weird. It is. There's there's some aspects that are unique, but it's also a good way to see how like institutions of higher education in a lot of ways are the same. People still need support. People still sure. need community. And there still needs to be a destigmatizing of the concept of tutoring and resource centers. Like yeah. why anybody should walk into any kind of course and think that they should already be perfect at it. That's not the point to education. It's like, true. You shouldn't be. You should be building your skills. That's why you're here. Exactly. So, and we're here to help make sure that you're successful doing that mm-hmm. through the short time that you have in actually taking that course. So yeah, no stigma, all happiness. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's really helpful. Anything else that you that you think students should be aware of? Hmm. That the main thing is do not be afraid to ask me questions. I might not know what resource you need at any given time. Right. We might not be doing it yet through the arc, but you could be the one who starts it all. Like true. if this is something that could be useful. For example, like the trivia sessions that we were doing. Uh, oh yeah, those have been semester. a big hit. Yeah, and it was it was something where it was like, okay, there's these fourth year exams, and how do we do review in kind of a fun way instead of it being like, oh my gosh, I've got to review for these very. We take you exams. down to the basement and yeah, you know, all like, this stuff. Yeah, let's let's not do that. That's scary. Like, let's do that, but then in addition to having review sessions that are like very keyed in on certain things, let's open it up to the community so mm-hmm, that like mm-hmm. here are some focused trivia questions where we can involve what well what ended up happening was a bunch of second years started joining in oh okay so it became a second year versus fourth year kind of competition yeah but where we could we could do kind of a fellowship community little bit of competition but all in love and work on drilling vocab and it's that kind of thing where it's like didn't even know that that would be something that would help until somebody brought it up to me that it would be something helpful is to have not only the review sessions, but something that was drilling vocab. Well, what right. drills vocab better than trivia? That's true. Right? That's true. <laughs> gotcha. No, I, I think that's that's really helpful. Kind of hopefully, I think people listen to this and kind of have just a broader sense of the sorts of things that are available here at the library. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Natalie, thank you for your time. And uh, I encourage anybody to to ask Natalie for for help yes, for anything. Please. She she's wonderful. She does not bite. Yeah. Really <laughs> great. All right. Thank you, Natalie. No, thank you for having me on. 
If you enjoyed Back to the Sources, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Facebook so that you don't miss a single episode. This podcast is brought to you by the Hasse Library on the campus of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. The Hasse Library, inspiring theological discovery.